Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin Lahul Hamdul Hasan Wa Thanaul Jamil Wa Ashadu An La Ilaha Illallah Wahdahu La Sharika Lah Wa Ashadu Anna Sayyidina Wa Nabiyyana Muhammad Sallallahu Alayhi Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabihi Wa Tabi'ina Lahum Bi Ihsan Ila Yawmid Deen Amma Ba'd Where In our introduction of Tadween al-Sunnah So inshallah ta'ala Today's lesson Is going to be about The following Al-Tadween fil-Qarn al-Awwal We're going to be speaking about The Tadween And we'll explain what Tadween means inshallah ta'ala in the first generation we're talking about the Islamic calendar we're not looking at the Gregorian calendar we're looking at the what? the Islamic calendar how was the Tadween? remember the first lesson that we had on Tadween al-Sunnah I mentioned that at the time of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam there was the concept of At-Talaqi Wal-Riwayah that was the first which is that the companions they were receiving and they were gaining knowledge from the Messenger Alayhi Salatu and what they were doing is that they were they were passing it on the Sahabas were what? were passing it on and then the stage that came after that was, so the first one was At-Talaqi Wal-Riwayah. At-Talaqi means to retrieve and to narrate. And then the second stage that came was At-Tadween. What does At-Tadween mean? Tadween means writing down what was retrieved from the Messenger والسلام, and what was taken from him. Writing it somewhere. This is called what? It's to document something. It is to record something. This is called what? It's called a tadween. And the third stage that I said that came was a tasneef. What does tasneef mean? Authorship. The question here is. What is the difference between At-Tadween and At-Tasnif? At-Tadween and At-Tasnif. If you can all see, I'm not writing. The reason I'm not writing all of this I'm saying is because I already did. So I'm just recapping. I'm going over what we've already taken. The difference between At-Tadween and At-Tasnif is... Tadween is just to write. It's just to document something. It is to record something. Like in Tasneef, is to organize. Tasneef is what? It's Tartib. It is to do Tabweeb. It is to organize. It is to make chapters for it. This is called what? Tasneef. Are we all together? 
Are we all on the same page? Here is the important question, which is, based on what we just said, the definition of a tadween is, was there tadween at the time of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Because we define tadween to mean what? Whatever was taken from the messenger, to write it somewhere. Was that present at the time of the messenger? Or did that start later? That's the first point that we're going to speak about. Tadween sunnah bada'a fi hayatin nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To document and to record the sunnah was, it started bada'a fi hayatin nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's actually started at the time of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We're going to discuss that in the first topic. And then the second topic, we're going to be speaking about, because all of this is the first, first what? First hundred years, right? Or the first qarn, first generation. We call it generation. So all of this is the first generation. Okay? The second one is, juhud al-sahaba, the effort that the companions exerted and the effort that they put in في تدوير السنة المطهرة in documenting in writing the sunnah المطهرة that was purified ونقلها and transmitting it إلى الأمة to this ummah we're going to be speaking about that we're going to be speaking about the efforts juhud efforts of who? the companions in two things in documenting, in recording the sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and also passing it on. We've kind of touched on that before, but we'll speak about it from another angle, inshaAllah ta'ala. Number four, we're going to be speaking about juhud al-tabi'een. The tabi'een are the students of who? The students of the companions. Their effort. Juhud means what? The effort of who? At-tabi'ina fi tadwini sunnati al-musharrafa. In transmitting and passing, sorry, in documenting, sorry, the, the honored, the venerated, the glorified sunnah. This is what today's first hour lecture is going to be on. These three points. The four, first one, I'm going to be speaking about in more details than I would be speaking about the other two due to a main reason. Has everybody written this? I'm going to rub off the, two first, the second two and I'm going to leave the first one on. And we're going to go into that inshallah ta'ala. Let's talk about the first one. Tadween sunnah The sunnah was written at the time of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There was something I mentioned previously, which was at the time of the companions, yes, Hiv was the asal. 
Yes. There were people memorized. And their memorization was far greater and was far more than the writing. But that doesn't eliminate, that does not completely eliminate that there wasn't no writing at the time of the Prophet and the companions. So there was Kitabah. There was writing. Like in this was the asal. This was the most. The, the most of the companions were memorizers. Writing was present, but wasn't the, the large percentage. Are we all together? Here we, have, we want to go into a discussion, which is, there are some people, especially Orientalists, who push this concept, which is, hadiths were written after Muhammad sallallahu death, centuries later, two, three centuries, two, three hundred years later, I mean, two hundred something years later. The Prophet sallallahu time, there was no hadith written. And this is something that is not true. It was actually written at what time? It was actually written at the time of the, the Messenger So what we're going to do is, this concept that the Orientalists brought forward was responded by a great scholar. Al-Imam Al-Khattib Al-Baghdadi Rahimahullah. So his book, is a kitab that responds to these ori- He was way before that. He was the 5th century. Khatib al-Baghdadi was what? The 5th century. Okay, it's 900 years ago. But he already responded to these things. It's in his book. So what we're going to do is, we're going to discuss this book, Taqyidul Ilm. In this first point. What is it called? Look at this book, it's called Taqyidu Khatib al-Baghdadi, rahimahullah. He's the author, a great scholar. A great scholar. Rahimahullah rahmatan wasi'ah. So what we're going to do is we're going to look into that book and that which has come regarding it. First of all, this book he divided it into aqsam types. And he made the types into four. Like he broke his book into four chapters, four types, four qism. Are we all together? This book, Taqyidul Ilm. What does the book first mean? Taqyid means. Um, what would be the best way to translate in English? Huh? It's to fasten. It's to, basically means writing knowledge. The word Taqyid here, Al-Ilm, means to write down knowledge. To write knowledge. Are we all together? And the reason why he wrote this book is he wanted to show that writing was present at what time? The time of the Messenger, That was the purpose of the book. 
And so it's good that I talk about this book right now for two reasons. Number one, it's connected to our chapter today. And number two, the book fair is going on. And so this would also be a benefit for somebody, some of you to buy this book because at the ending of this book, he, rahimahullah, he talks about fadlul kutub, the virtues of books, wa fiha, that which has been said regarding it. The virtue of books, having books. And the quote of the scholars, and that which they said regarding books, and the value that books hold. So I would advise you all to buy this kitab, Taqidul Ilm. I wouldn't know which publication is the best because I haven't compared the publications, but the one I have is the publication of Darul Istiqama. Dar Al Istiqama is the one I have and the one I read. But let's talk about this book because it deals with this chapter that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his time, the ahadiths were written. So he divided his book into four. What did I say? Four aqsam, four types. The first one he talks about, al-athar. He brings textual statements that have come prohibiting writing knowledge. In the first qism, the first type, the first chapter, he talks about, or he brings forward, Khatib al-Baghdadi, all of the quotes that state it was disliked to write at the time of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Are we all together? So the first chapter, he brings all of the aqwal, or a lot of aqwal, and a lot of statements that show it is disliked to write knowledge. So he brings the Prophet statement. He brings the statements of the companions. He brings the statements of the tabi'in. Here I want to say something which is, are we all together? So in the first chapter, what does he talk about? The statement that is, state, that is disliked to write knowledge. And whose statements does he bring? The Prophet, the companions, and who? Those three. Huh? All of the statements that he brings from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, all of them are weak, except one. All of the statements that have come where the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam speaks against writing knowledge are all weak. Are we all together? Is what? It's all weak, except one hadith. Hadith Abi Sa'id al-Khudri Hadith Abi Sa'id al-Khudri The hadith of what? The hadith of Abi Sa'id al-Khudri In Sahih Muslim Where the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said La taktubu Anni Don't write anything about From me Waman kataba anni Ghayra al-Qur'ani Falyamhu The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said don't write anything which I have said. And anyone who has written other than the Quran, then they should wipe it, get, erase it, delete it. 
Does everyone understand? So all of the quote, all the, all the ahadiths that Khatib al-Baghdadi brings in his kitab, Taqeed al-Ilm, all of the hadiths are da'if, all of them. The only one that we said is authentic is which one? Hadith Abi Sa'id, Al-Khudri in Sahih, in Sahih Muslim. This hadith is Sahih Muslim. This is the only authentic one. Which the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, La anni, don't write anything which I have said. وَمَنْ كَتَبَ عَنِّي غَيْرَ الْقُرْآنِ And anyone who has written other than the Qur'an from me, فَلْيَمْحُهُ Let him wipe it, get rid of it, erase it. Even this hadith, even that though it's authentic. But the scholars differed on whether the Prophet said it or Abi Sa'id al-Khudri, this is his word. Does that make sense? They disputed whether it's the Prophet's statement or it's actually Abi Sa'id al-Khudri's statement, if it's his statement and not the Prophet. Al-Imam Muslim, he took the opinion that this is actually the statement of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that's why he brought it in his Sahih. So he brought it marfu'an. Where did he bring it? Marfu'an meaning attributing it to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. لكن الإمام البخاري الشيخ الإمام المسلم The teacher of Imam Muslim الإمام البخاري He said this hadith is not the Prophet's statement This hadith is not It's not the Prophet's statement Whose statement is it? It's Abi Sa'id al-Khudri's statement So he made it what? He made it موقوف As in he said that this is the statement of Abi Sa'id and it's weak to attribute it to the Prophet Sallallahu And he brought a illa, a defect from the hadith in that, in that angle. Does that make sense everybody? So what we can say is we don't actually have an authentic hadith to the Messenger Sallallahu where he prohibits the writing of hadith. So Khatib al-Baghdadi's first chapter, that's what he tries to talk about. In the second chapter of his book, he tries to give the reason. Wasful illa. What is actually the reason why the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the writing of knowledge? He's taking the opinion that even if we say this hadith is sahih, and even if we say that the Prophet said this, but what's the reason behind it? Are you with me, brothers? Is there a reason behind it? And he states some of the reasons. And I'll give you a couple of those reasons even if we take that the hadith that was saying that don't write anything which I have said they said that this means number one do not write the Quran and the hadith on one page because then lips happens you mix the two up because the revelation is coming down and you're writing what I am saying and you're writing the Quran as well it can mix up. So they said this is the first reason why the Prophet said, La anni, wa man anni al-Qur'ani Does that make sense? So the first reason they said why the Prophet said, Don't write anything which I have to say, is because writing on one page the Quran and the hadith together is what he was saying. But if the person was writing on two different pages, so he was writing the Quran on one place. And he was writing the Sunnah on another place. 
the prohibition does not it does not it does not refer to him number two second reason was people will rely on taking knowledge from the things that they have written and they're going to dismiss the most important thing which is whose speech? The speech of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Like the people are going to put their hearts and minds to that which has been written and they're really going to dismiss the most important thing which is what? The book of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Are you with me brothers? Number three, Khatib al-Baghdadi says the reason why the prohibition actually came was the people will rely on the writing and give no importance to memorization. It's another reason. The people are just going to write everything and they're going to what? Not memorize what they've written. And that's the truth with so many people. They go to a talk and they know it's being recorded and they rely on it when they go home to write down the notes. That's wrong. At that moment, you should try to write it. And whatever you've missed out, then alhamdulillah, the recording can always back you up or it can help you, but shouldn't be what you rely on. Also, one of the reasons why the, the prohibition came from the writing was that maybe when things get written in books, it's the fourth reason. When it gets written in books, it may go into the hands of the wrong people who don't have knowledge, but when they read things, they'll understand it according to how they want to and then play with the religion like that. Are you all together, brothers? So those who are saying the hadith is the prophet's statement, this is their reasons they say that the prohibition was. So now we don't have that problem, they say. Now we can write it. Because there's no mixing the Quran with the hadith. The Quran is finished. We know the Quran. There's no problem in that regard. Are you with me, brothers? So we've now spoken about the first chapter, which is Tadweenu Sunnah. It started at the time of who? It started at the time of the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. We're now going to go into the second chapter, inshallah ta'ala. So remember to buy this book, Taqyidul Ilm. By who? Oh, I haven't finished the types of that. Uh, how much did I mention? Two chapters. The third chapter is Khatib al Baghdadi. In the third chapter, he brings the statements and the textual evidences that permit the writing of knowledge at the time of the Prophet. Like when the companion uh, came to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, what you have said, write it for me. I want it written. And the Messenger Sallallahu said, Uktubu li Abi Shah. Write. For who? Abi Shah. And also the famous hadith of Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira said, no one used to write more than I did, except Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As. Abu Huraira saying this. No one had more ahadith than I did. Abu Huraira saying this. 
except Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As. He had more hadiths from me. How? Because he used to write when I never used to write. He used to write when I, when I never used to write. So what did he just state here? He wrote. And Abu Huraira was with the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam when? Yeah, the last four years of the Prophet's life. The last three, four years of the Prophet's life. Some scholars they even said that the prohibition was at the early stages of Islam, and it got abrogated. It got abrogated because Abu Huraira here is writing. So the question here is, why did Abu Huraira's narrations become more than Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As then? Today when we look at the number one person in terms of hadith is who? Abu Huraira. Who is it? Abu Huraira. But Abu Huraira clearly and categorically, what did he just say? That Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As wrote more than I did. The scholars, they distinguish between Abdullah ibn Amr As, he heard more from the Prophet, that doesn't mean he submitted and he passed on more. Who was the one who passed on more? Abu Hurairah. But the question is why? Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, in his later stages of his life, غَلَبَهُ الزُّهُدُ وَالْعِبَادَةِ Ibadah overtook him. He spent the last years of his life or he spent a great, great portion of his life in ibadah. So he used to worship. He left off teaching people or narrating narrations. Whereas Abu Huraira, what would he do? He would narrate what he heard from the Prophet. Well, you know the famous story of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As when his father complained to who? His father complained to the messenger. He said, his father Amr ibn As complained to the messenger, he said, Ya Rasulullah, my son Abdullah, I have married him off to one of the most respected women of Quraysh. And he doesn't fulfill her rights. As in, all night he's praying. And all day he's fasting. She doesn't get any chance from him. He doesn't have come, come into contact with her. So the Messenger وسلم, said to him, Abdullah, is this true? He said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ, he told him, reduce on your fasting. Take, he used to fast every single day. He said, take it from it. Until the Prophet ﷺ brought it to the fasting, or they both came to the agreement that it's going to be the fasting of what? The fasting of Nabi Dawood. Dawood would fast one day and the next day he would rest and then he would fast the day after and he would rest. Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, the Prophet said, even this, why don't you just take Mondays and Thursdays? Reduce, make it easy on yourself. He said, no. The messenger said, there will come a day when you're not going to be able to fast the fasting of Nabi Dawood. That your body becomes weak. And you can't do it anymore. He said, I can do it. Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As became very old in age. And when he became old, he said, I just wish I could take the Prophet's advice. 
I only fast on Mondays and Thursdays. But I will take a benefit from this. So the people said to him, why don't you take the Prophet's advice now? Why don't you just fast Mondays and Thursdays? And then he said, I do not want to be a person who the Prophet knew him to fast, the fasting of Dawood. And after his death, I changed. I am now fasting what? Mondays and Thursdays. And the messenger knew me. See, the concept of istiqamah, to be steadfast, to be upright, to be consistent, to be continuous, and not to give up. It's very vital. Yeah? And not to be somebody who is hype for something, he just wants to do it now, and then three, four days later you leave it. وَلِذَلِكَ the Prophet said, Allah doesn't like an action that's big, but you leave it. What does He like? Something that's small, but which is what? Consistency. It's the quality, not the quantity. Are you with me? Just something small, but you are consistent. You don't let go of this one thing. That's better. So the third chapter, Khatib al-Baghdadi, what does he speak about? The evidences that show that you can write knowledge. Then the fourth one, he talks about Fadlul ilmi wa fiha, the virtue of books. Are you with me, brothers? What does he speak about? He speaks about he speaks about the virtue um, virtue of knowledge. As a, as a benefit, I just want to mention a story. Al Imam Suyuti mentions this, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, and also Ibn Kalli Khan. Ibn Kalli Khan, he mentions it in his kitab, Wafayatul Ayan. In the Tarjama of Sharaf al Murtada, I'm a Sharaf al Murtadi. I think it's Sharaf al Murtada. This man, Sharaf al Murtada, he came to a shop to buy books. So when he came, he found the book. Um, he found the book Al Jamhara ibn Durayd. He found it, which he wanted to buy. He paid the price for it. And you have to remember those times the books were not, they were not published like the way it is now, where it's printed in a printing house and etc. At those days, if a person wanted your book, they would have to copy it everything with their own hand. So I'd go to your house, I'd write everything from your book, and that's my copy. The copy that he brought was owned by Abu Hassan Ali ibn Ahmed ibn Ali al-Fali, rahimahullah. It was owned by him, the great Adib. Ala kulli hal, this great scholar who owned the book, the one who owned it is the one whose book has been sold. Abu Hassan al-Fali's kitab has been sold. At the ending of the book, he wrote a line of poetry where he says, Anistu biha ishirina hawlan wa bi'tuha. 20 years this book was mine. I owned this book for how many years? For 20 years I owned it. It was my own book. Now I have sold it. 
ba'daha wa hanini now that i haven't got this book anymore i don't own it my suffering and my pain has become great and then he goes on saying wa ma kana dhanni annani sa'bi'uha i never thought in my life that i would come to a day where i would have to sell this book that i love so much i never thought this would happen walaw khalladatni fi sujuni duyuni even if debt put me in my into prison because i couldn't pay a person's uh, their debt i never thought i would reach a point where i would have to send, sell sell the kitab al jamhara ibn durayt walakin li dha'fin wa iftiqarin but because of my need and the weakness that i have now it forced me to sell the book and then he goes on say wa qad tukhriju al hajat ya umma malikin karaima min rabbin bihinna dhanini When things become hard in life for you sometimes you would do things that were so admirable to you something you cherished a lot you would be forced to sell it so he wrote that poetry at the ending of the book when sharaf al-murtadi al-murtada saw it what did he do he brought the book back to the owner and he gave him the money and he said keep the book he went this book means a lot to you huh and this shows you subhanallah the the hunger and the love that they had for for knowledge and books so he, at the last chapter khatib al-baghdadi talks about the fadl al-kutub wa ma qila fiha that which has been said regarding it walidhalika some of the scholars they used to say a muslim should not be stingy when your brother asks you for something money something worldly give it to him except books ha <sighs> be stingy with your books Rather than that, give. It's true because if you give your book to somebody and your book is 20 volumes, 20 volumes, and they say, oh, can I borrow the fourth volume? And then what happens is they go and they lose that fourth volume or something happens to the fourth volume or they leave the country or you don't see them again. You're now with a book that has one volume missing from it and it takes away the value of the book. Are you with me? So when it comes to books, the scholars were very harsh regarding it and they mention it in their books of adab meaning the manners of student of knowledge that books is one thing you should be stingy with huh? if a person wants to read your books come to my library and read it that's how they were before and now that the book fair is happening nurture yourself in reading brothers what do you do nurture yourself in reading these classes that you're having right now you shouldn't just depend on that fully you should have your extra reading times where you go and you read and you read so buy those books that a student of knowledge needs and inshallah ta'ala at the ending maybe i might give you a list of some books that i suggest that you should all try to buy that may help you and try to then read it familiarize yourself with these books now huh which book taqiyyud al-ilm we said the best is writing down knowledge huh what he means here taqiyyud is to write down knowledge it's writing knowledge taqiyyud actually comes from the word qayd qayd is to what what did we say it's the rope you use to hold down a camel or a goat. Uh, the word taqiyid al-ilm. 
I think I saw it, yeah. I think I once upon a time saw it. But I'm not 100% sure. Let's move on to the second chapter. What was the second chapter that we said we're going to speak about today? We're now going to speak about Juhud al-Sahaba. Yeah. Read it for me. So, number three is Thaniyan. What is it? So the efforts of the companions, uh, yeah? Fi tadwin al-surrah Fi tadwin al-sunnah Al-mutahara, yeah? Huh? Wanaqliha? The efforts of the companions, two things. What were, they, what were they doing? In documenting for us, recording for us the sunnah, and the second thing is, transmitting it to what? Transmitting it to the ummah. Four points. We're going to mention four points here. In this chapter, we're going to mention how many? Four points. Number one, how they would urge. So the first one is al-hathu al al-hifd. How was the companion's effort in documenting for us the sunnah and transmitting it for us? It was al-hathu ila hifdi al-sunnah. Al-Hath, how they were urging. Al-Hath ila ala hifd al-Sunnah. Write the word ala. How they urged in memorizing the Sunnah. It's one of the ways. Companions, the way that they documented it was that they gave importance to urging to memorize it. The sunnah. Here the memorization can be two types. Okay? How many types? The first one is called Hivl Sadr. Hivl Kitab. Hivl Kitab. The Hivl is two types. They would talk about memorizing it in terms of it being in your chest. Sadr means your chest. Memorize it, keep it in your hearts. They will talk about that. And the second one was what? Memorizing it inside books. They would urge the companions would do that. That was the first way that the companions they documented us for the Sunnah and they transmitted it to the Ummah. Number two. The second way which they did it is Now, 
The hifd is two types, remember. The precision and the hifd is two types. Al-Kitab, the second way was they would write bi-sunnati, they would write with the sunnah ba'dihim, some of them to the others. They would send the sunnah towards each other. Al-Kitabatu bi-sunnati ba'dihim say ila ba'd. They would send the sunnah to each other. They would write towards each other. They would write the sunnah and they would send it to each other. For example, for example, Usaid ibn Hudayr, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the companion. Usaid ibn Hudayr, <coughs> some of the sunnah that he wrote, he sent it to Abu Bakr, Umar, he sent it to Abu Bakr, sorry. And he sent it to Umar and Uthman. And they used those ahadith, he sent them to use it for their judgment. And the qada that they were doing, they based it on a sunnah that was sent to them from who? Usaid ibn Hudayr. So the companions, the way that they gave effort in documenting the sunnah for us and transmitting it to the ummah is to, is to remind each other by writing it to each other. Are you with me, brothers? Many companions, they did that. For example, Zayd ibn Arqamin, he sent some of the hadiths to Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Naam. The third way is, even though it kind of enters the first one, which is, Haslu talamidhihim. How they urge their students in what? Ala kitabatil hadith to write the hadith. So whenever they would dictate a hadith or they would say a hadith, they would tell their students, write it. They wouldn't let their students just sit there and not write anything. So what they would do is hafthu talamidhihim. They would urge their students ala kitabatil hadith to write the hadith. They would urge their students to do what? They would urge their students to write the hadith. And so they wouldn't let them. Walidarika Umar radiallahu anhu, it's also Anas ibn Malik and others. They would say to their students, Qayyidul ilma bil kitabah. Narrow that knowledge, hold knowledge down by writing it. That's what they would say, write it. And it became a statement that the scholars use a lot, which is right. And nowadays, subhanAllah, you see a person come to a lecture and they don't write. You actually, do you not actually understand that writing some, something sometimes actually helps you to remember something when you write something down? Are you with me, brothers? Well, some countries, like back home, from where I'm originally from, the Quran is written. The Quran is what? Some of the students have never seen a Mus'haf, or they don't use Mus'haf. 
the teacher will dictate the Quran for them, they write it from the teacher's mouth. On a big loh, huh? wooden plank. They'll write on it. That's how they take it. They go home, they memorize from it what they wrote with the Sheikh dictated for them. And they wash it in the morning. And they would come and they read it to the Sheikh. And they would write it from there on there. It's no mushaf. So the student would end up writing the Quran from the mouth of the Sheikh. And he would memorize what he wrote. He would memorize what? What he wrote. Well, when people started to depend on uh, the writing, it's become a problem. I'll give you an example. How many of you in this room know a number on your phone other than yours? So if you had to call your wife right now, who knows then her, his wife's number at the top of his, his head? But there was a, once upon a time, a time huh, when people would have to memorize it. Because they would have to note it down, they had little notebooks. So now some people, when they lose their phones, they don't know who to call. So I just mean, what I mean from that angle is the fact that the people are depending on what's, uh, what's written. Don't, nobody likes to memorize. The fourth is, which is something... It's Tadwino. Tadwino Sunnah fi Suhuf. Tadwino Sunnah, Tadwino al Hadithi fi Suhuf. The companions, they had a hadith written for them, for, written for them in what? In Suhuf. Suhuf is. Does anyone know what suhuf is? Huh? Yeah, scrolls. That's a good word. Scrolls. Sahabas had their hadith written in scrolls for them. Half of them, half of them, Rajab, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says in his kitab, Sharh al-Ila al-Tirmidhi, he says, وَالَّذِي كَانَ يُؤْكْتَبُ فِي زَمَنِ الصَّحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعِيلَ لَمْ يَكُنْ تَصْنِيفًا مُرَتَّبًا مُبَوَّبًا The companion's time, they didn't have hadith written in order, like Kitab al-Tahara, all the hadith on Tahara, and then Salah, and then Zakat, and then... They didn't have that. Hadith was all over the place. So this is the concept of what? Tadween. Sahabas, their one was not organized. It was all over the place. It was just write the hadith down. This is Tadween. Tasnif was what? Ah... For whatever, we're going to look at it later. Everyone organized it according to something. Okay? One's book is based upon organization in terms of fiqh. Another one's based upon heart softening. But the point is that there came organization and a purpose behind writing. But the Sahaba's one was purely to keep it. The Sahabas would write it only to revise it. And only to go over it. But after that Sahaba's time, authorship started. And then he goes on. 
after that, the concept of tasnif started. Like in Sahabas, they did tadween. If you now bring all of the hadiths that are written amongst the companions, are you with me? And you, and you took those, are you with me, brothers? That's exactly the books that are written for us in hadith. Okay, I want this hadith from this page, give it to me, I'm going to put it here. So the tadween was already there. And what came after that was? Tasnif. وَلِذَلِكَ At the time of Ali ibn Abi Talib, the, uh, the Shia, they claimed that Ali has what? Ali has knowledge that no one else knows. What does Ali have? A knowledge that only him, the Prophet, told. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was an allegation that was going around. So the people came to Ali ibn Abi Talib and said, Ali, hey, the Prophet ﷺ, he hid something to you and no one else knows it except you. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he stood up to do khutbatul jum'ah. And he, stood, and he said, Man za'ama, anyone who claims that we, meaning Ahlul Bayt, we have a unique knowledge. It's the Shia, they believe that Sahar, Ali and Ahlul Bayt have a unique discussion with the Prophet. He told them something unique. No one else knows. They only know. Ali said, anyone who claims that we have knowledge uniquely given to us, which is not found in the Quran, then he's a liar. The only thing I have right now that the Prophet gave me is a suhuf. Which he then had it in his stick, walking stick. He brought it out. Or some of the narrations mentioned his sword. He brought it out and he read what was in it. And now even that one everyone knew. That's all I have. So what we want to take, we want to take from the story is that Ali had a what? Suhuf. So he wrote hadith. He had it on a paper. Now we're going to go into the third point, inshallah ta'ala, which is the last one, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. Is Now we're going to go into Juhud The juhud, number three, juhud, the efforts of the tabi'in, meaning the students and the companions, fi tadwili in documenting the glorified and the honorable sunnah. The tabi'in, they did that. How are we going to go through that? In three points. In how, in what? In three points. Number one, Al-Hathu al-Tizam al-Sunnah wa hifdiha wa kitabatiha. So he said three, the companions were four, and this is three. It is Al-Hath, how they urged. 
على التزام السنه they urged حث means to urge somebody to, to convince them to do it do it على التزام to uphold السنه they urged others to uphold the sunnah by what by memorizing it hifdhiha also writing it so uphold stick to memorizing the sunnah by memorizing it by writing it and also what verifying also verifying who you're narrating it from and who you're hearing it from all of that was what? and also who you hear it from the reason is because their time groups were coming out so they needed to verify whereas the time of the companions everybody was reliable that's the first way that they they looked after it number two was تدوينهم السنة في الصحف. How they what? They documented just like the companions the sunnah in scrolls. Just like the companions, they documented the sunnah in scrolls. So did the tabi'in. They also did the same. Rahimahumullah. And the third one was Juhud Al-Imamaini Umar Ibn Abdil Umar Ibn Abdul Aziz Wabnu Shihab Az-Zuhri And the third one is the effort that was exerted by two great Imams. Who is it? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. And who? Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. They exerted a great amount of effort towards the documenting and the recording of the Sunnah. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was one of the leaders who truly spread sunnah and he fought against what? innovation and he also gave a great importance to the what? the sunnah of the Prophet to spread ولذلك Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri he said he is the first man to have written a book in hadith who was the first person to write it? 
Are you with me, brothers? Who was the first person to write? Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. He was the first person to do tasnif in hadith. Okay, tasnif. But who commanded him to do it? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. He said, right. Are we all together? When Umar ibn Abdul Aziz commanded him, he sat down and he wrote. And then after him, they came, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to speak about it later. Great scholars came, like Ma'mar ibn Rashid, who then came out from Yemen, and he authored. Sa'id ibn, ibn Abi Aruba, he came out in Basra and he authored. Al-Awza'i, Abu Abdul Rahman, Abu Amr, Abdul Rahman, Ibn Amr, Al-Awza'i, he came out in Sham, he authored as well. This is after Ibn Shihab. Also Ibn Abi Dhib, he came out in Medina, he authored. Al-Rabi' ibn Al-Subayh, Al-Subayh. Al-Basriyu, he came out in Basra, he wrote. Shu'bat ibn Hajjaj, Abu Bistam al-Ataki came out in Basra, he authored as well. Abu Salamat Hamad ibn Hamad ibn Hamad ibn Zaydin and Hamad ibn Salama. This was Hamad ibn Salama. He came out and he authored Rahimahullah. Abu Salamat Hamad ibn Salamata ibn Dinar in Basra. Al-Imam Malik in, in Yemen, uh, sorry, in, in Medina. Al-Imam Malik in Medina. Abdullah ibn Mubarak in where? In Khurasan. And Abdullah ibn Wahbin in Egypt. Sufyan ibn Uyayna in Mecca. Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi in Kufa. Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i in Egypt. Abdul Razak ibn Hammam al-Sal'ani in Yemen. All of these scholars, what they did? They all started. Everyone started to do tasnif. Are you with me, brother? 19 scholars. One time they all started writing after Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri wrote. No one knows these 19 who wrote first. No one knows who wrote first. The scholars only know like in, they were in the same timing. And we'll speak about that later, inshallah ta'ala. I'm going to write the names on the board for you. For the next part of the lesson, inshallah ta'ala. In the next part of the class, I will, inshallah ta'ala, I will do that, inshallah ta'ala. Um, we'll stop there, inshallah ta'ala, for this class. Does anyone have any question? Does anyone have any question? So, alhamdulillah, we finished. Al-Qarnul Awwal, right? Al-Tadweenu fi al-Qarnul Awwal. We're now going to go into the next, class, next lesson. We're going to go into Tadween fi al-Qarnul Thani, the second century. Are you with me, brothers? And we'll speak about that, inshallah ta'ala. Does anyone have any questions regarding what I spoke about today? So the At-Talaqi wal-Riwaya At-Talaqi means to take it from the Prophet The brother asked In terms of authorship And in terms of documenting And recording the Sunnah You said it went through three stages What were they? The first one was At-Talaqi Taking it from the Prophet 
and then narrating it. That was definitely the time of the companions. Because they were the ones who were the Prophet, that took it from the Prophet, and they were also the ones who what? Who passed it on. The second stage was what? Tadween. Tadween, we said the Sahabas had that. Which we said Tadween means whatever is out there, just write it on a paper. Are you with me, brothers? And then the third stage was what? This, the real discussion of hadith is really when it comes to tasnif. Are you with me, brothers? When the scholars, or generally when you study this topic of tadwinu sunnah, you should really just study up to the ninth century. Are you with me, brothers? Because that's really that's where it really stopped the efforts that were being put in. After the ninth century, in the Islamic calendar, everybody that came after that was just using what was already there. And to be very frank and honest, after the ninth century in the Islamic calendar, the ninth century, this knowledge of hadith went to the subcontinent India. It moved to that direction. And it was then put in the hands of the scholars of India. And they then came out with the strongest and the greatest efforts regarding this science. Nadir Hussein al-Dihlawi rahimahullahu ta'ala, Siddiq Hassan Khan, Muhammad Bashir al-Sahsawani, those scholars of that era, Ayyuni brothers, way before, we're talking about the author of the kitab, Hujjatullah al-Baligha, the author of the kitab, Hujjatullah al-Baligha, which is Waliullah al-Dihlawi rahimahullahu ta'ala. Waliullah al-Dihlawi was before Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, was older than Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. Rather, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab's teacher was an Indian scholar, Muhammad Hayat Siddi rahimahullah, who he took the hadith from. Are you with me, brothers? And the marwiyat of Bukhari and Muslim and Abi Dawood and Tirmidhi ibn Umad and the riwayat of the hadith today, no one can have a senate in Bukhari today except 99.9% is going to go through who? rahimahullah ta'ala. He stabbed. And in marwiyat I saw it. Rahimahullah ta'ala. وَلِذَلِكَ الْرَحَلَاتِ Turned towards that direction. But that era, there wasn't coming out new books or new style of, it wasn't. It was shuruh, explanations that were coming out. Hawashi, footnotes, tanqihat and tahqiqat, authenticating what's already there, sifting it out. Does that make sense? So the person should really give a lot of importance to studying how the sunnah it came about. Any other questions regarding what we already took? No? Okay, we're going to start the next lesson, inshaAllah ta'ala.